Telling your own story is difficult. It's something that New York Times columnist Charles Blow knows. He released a deeply personal memoir in September. It inspired Ampersand's Maya Williams to explore her own history. Growing up in North Little Rock, Arkansas, I'd spend summer evenings with my grandfather on his rickety back porch. I'd sit on his lap and he'd tell me tall tales. I was convinced he could be nothing less than Superman. Sometimes he'd tell me stories of how he wrestled boa constrictors in the canopied jungles of Sierra Leone. Other times he'd tell me about how his all-black regiment had to dig their own recreational swimming pool at camp during World War II. His story slid on a scale from magic realism to harsh reality, but I was always transfixed. Around the time I turned seven, my mother started writing a book about her life. She grew up during the 50s and 60s in Arkansas, was one of four black students to integrate an all-white middle school, and became an executive at a bank all before she turned 30. I remember the book was called Colored Girls and Angels. The opening lines were from the Bible. They told me to be careful to entertain strangers, for some have entertained angels unaware. In my exploration of racial identity and storytelling, I read a memoir by New York Times op-ed columnist Charles M. Blow called Fire Shut Up in My Bones. In the first few chapters, I learned that he too spent his childhood in Arkansas with his grandparents. I felt an immediate kinship with his love and admiration for his grandfather, Jed, the man he would learn to model himself after. The memoir is a collection of the stories that shaped him. He captures memories vividly, his experiences of isolation, moderate poverty, prejudice, and abuse. I sat down with him at USC's Doheny Library, and we talked about what it's like to look back now, with years of life in perspective. It's hard to overstate how isolated we were in this little town. But I do go back to my hometown, and I just am able to relax there and remember what it feels like to be in a happy place. Although, you know, people read the book and they don't think it's a happy place, but I, there are parts of it that is, I think, absolutely beautiful and, and happy for me. And, and it's not complicated. It's just trees and breezes through leaves and water rippling through brooks. And back then I thought it was a prison. Now I think it's absolutely beautiful. You also talked about when you decided you wanted to be a politician and you met the governor of Louisiana. And you talked about kind of molding together these two heroes of Martin Luther King and Prince Charles to be this sort of outward persona or performance. When did you shed that? I don't know if it, uh, I shed it and left it behind. And, and, always, and people say those are two strange characters to try to put together. But what I was trying to do is to try to construct some level of poise and sophistication for myself and I just I didn't have any examples nearby and uh, Martin Luther King was as a kid growing up at that time I mean literally every black history my dad remember a poem and there was just an incredible poise to the man as I recalled it and and an eloquence and one thing that people don't make enough of I think is that he was incredibly well educated incredibly well well read and a beautiful writer in addition to being a, a, a great orator. And about the same time, you know, Prince Charles marries Diana. I never thought about Prince Charles. And all of a sudden, they're 
all over the television. You can't get away from these people. And I thought, oh, a prince. His name's Charles. And that, I, that's the only thing I thought. Like, so I thought, I could be, if I comport myself the way this guy does, what's the difference? And so I would just watch. And there's still a part of me that sits up straight. The last couple pages of the book, the final chapter, it feels like this sort of triumphant self-realization where you've reconciled all these things you've been toiling with. You bring up Jed again and you say that about what he possessed was not the quality of running like a river, but an ocean that just is where it always meant to be. That is, you know, what I aspire to be. You know, I aspire to feel like I can just be me in the space where I am and experience the depth of that and the peace of it, that not wanting anything other than to just be me is, I think it's just a beautiful, powerful expression of humanity and manhood uh, in particular. It's not a journey that you come to the, the stop of, that it's something you just pursue your whole life? I think you may stop running, but I think the depth increases, if that makes any sense, that you, that you grow not up, but down into yourself, that you, that, that you become deeper in your understanding of who you are and what the world is, and in your fragility and your fallibility. I think it was Oscar Wilde that said, I'm not uh, young enough to know everything which I think is brilliant because the older you get, the more you realize you don't know. And that in a way that becomes a comfort that, that you're not trying to be the end all be all. I'm a grown up now, but Charles Blow's idea of growing down, not up, digging deeper into your history to define a sense of self is for me, the most striking part of our conversation. I come from a family of storytellers and carry with me the sum of all the tales I've been told. My mother, the colored girl who entertained angels. My grandfather, the man who found solace in tall tales. Charles Blow's memoir, Fire Shut Up in My Bones, is available now.